So welcome to NCA Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Today, our guest is Lincoln Snyder, who is our new president-elect, and we are very glad that Lincoln is, has um, joined us today, and we are hoping to learn more about him. So welcome, Lincoln. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Well, we're glad to have you and introduce you to our NCA podcast audience, which continues to grow every week. We're, we're very excited about the potential of our podcasts. So Lincoln, can you tell us about your professional career first, and then we'll ask about your personal career. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, Catholic schools have certainly been a big thread for me, uh, personally and professionally. So I, uh, uh, native of, uh, well, I was born in San Jose, California, but raised in Sacramento. Uh, you know, professionally, I, I've uh, uh, taught in Catholic schools. Uh, I had a career in uh, business, both in international business and in development. And uh, for the last six years, I've been blessed to serve as the uh, superintendent and executive directors of school in Sacramento. People say, well, how'd you get from, from A to B? And, and uh, you know, I lived in Poland after graduating for a time, got married there and have a, um, you know, lo lovely Polish wife and three kids. Uh, and... Uh, after moving back to Sacramento, I walked into the office of my alma mater, Christian Brothers, and happened to run into a former teacher who happened to be the summer school principal. And my mom had taught there. And he said, you know, uh, we just lost our uh, rhetoric teacher. So if you can steal your mom's curriculum, you can have the job teaching the summer school. And, and thus began my, began my career in Catholic education. So not a very traditional pathway, but a pathway that has served you well. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, my, my mother is a career teacher. She's taught both uh, Catholic school and public school um, at all grade levels, K through 12. Uh, you know, my father uh, uh, owns a family business in, in, in development. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I've, I, I can say that I followed in the footsteps of both parents. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the great thing about uh, Catholic education, especially at the, the leadership and governance level, is I really do feel that my my years in business did serve me well in being prepared, uh, especially coming into the superintendency uh, in Sacramento. You know, we have a pretty unique governance model and, and uh, uh, supervision of finance and, and advancement and other temporal matters at the school has become very important at the diocesan level because of our governance. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the years that I did spend in business before coming into Catholic education certainly gave me a good foundation for that work. So how, so you taught the summer school rhetoric class. Did you teach anything else? I did. So I've taught uh, social studies. I have taught uh, advanced placement German. I minored in German and spent some time in uh, uh, Germany and Austria as a student. And so, uh, uh, you know, I, I was really lucky to be in a, uh, a high school that had a lot of opportunities and, uh, you know, just uh, took the attitude that I'd, uh, you know, take, take on the classes as the brothers uh, chose to uh, offer them to me. So uh, yeah, so I've taught um, mostly, mostly social studies in German with, uh, with rhetoric as, as a summer gig. And so I think a lot of Catholic school teachers have had that experience, especially when you're starting that, uh, uh, you know, so often these, these opportunities come up because there's been a change and, and uh, you're needed to serve. And so you say, yeah, I can do that. And then you, you take it on. And certainly that's been my experience. Um, when I wasn't teaching for the brothers, uh, I stayed very involved with the school. And so was a member of the uh, uh, the school board and the, the brothers have a pretty uh, uh, innovative board model that they went to 30 years ago for the governance of their schools. And so even for the years when I was um, uh, not teaching pro professionally, I stayed very engaged with the mission and with the schools by serving as a, a board member and board chair. And so, uh, you know, one, one way or another, I, I've always found certainly my spiritual outlet and my, uh, and my creative outlet.
led and staying involved with uh, with education. So, so what's the best thing about teaching at Catholic school? I, I think the 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 freedom and creativity it allows to really talk to students about what you gain from the experience and why you're there to give back as a teacher. You know, of course, uh, you know, like, like most of our schools, I taught at a college prep high school that is very strong on academics, but uh, um, understanding that that's not the primary reason that as Catholic, education, Catholic educators that we are there, of course, we have to provide excellent schools. Uh, there's no doubt, but, uh, um, but, but it's a broader form of excellence, not just in terms of academic achievement, but in terms of virtue and character development and, uh, and um, you know, really forming kids as servant leaders. What, what I love about Catholic education and why I uh, feel so committed to it is, is the ability to be so explicit about the fact that we are there to help the kids become servant leaders in Christ and to be able to share that ambition with them directly. You know, we, everybody uh, has their own approach to it, but, but for me, I uh, uh, loved every single moment of the day in the classroom, not that it doesn't have its stresses and challenges, but because uh, you are able to cultivate that, that unique relationship in Christ with your students and with your colleagues that you just couldn't do it that way anywhere else. So um, when you look at Catholic schools across the country and, um, and the 137,000 teachers that are in Catholic schools, how do you think that we people at NCA can best support them? The NCEA is really uniquely positioned to bring people together. Um, the, the, the best thing about, um, about the NCA really is it's, it has such a unique and dynamic role in connecting our teachers and our administrators to the people and to the, the, the resources they need to have better schools. Uh, you know, for me, for example, as a superintendent coming into that position, the fact that I was able to go to a Catholic leadership summit facilitated by the NCEA and make all sorts of uh, contacts there that made me a better leader was fantastic. Having been to uh, the, the national convention in um, multiple occasions over the years as well, I can see that, that by being there, you're part of, you're associating yourself with other Catholic educators that are there looking for the same network and the same experience. And the fact that there are so many ways that the NCEA can bring people together from the podcasts, which, uh, or uh, webinars to uh, in-person events, which of course we hope to do more of now that we're coming out of COVID, uh, really that ability to build that network of people and of resources in such a, a unique way really is a, uh, it, it's, it's life-giving uh, and it's also important for one's uh, uh, professional growth as well. I mean, I, I just have been, it's benefited so much from all of the different points of contact that I've gained through the NCEA that uh, uh, it, it, it's uh, uh, very exciting and rewarding to be able to come into the organization and, and continue that. So, um, the NCA has has always been a, a convener of people, and and I think you're right. People um, do look at that as a real gift from from NCA. So that that's a you know it's a wonderful thing that um, we're able to do and and able to assist people with. Um, this year has been challenging for teachers, principals, superintendents, everybody involved in education. 
both public and Catholic education, honestly. But um, if you had words of advice for the teachers and principals who are working in our Catholic schools, what, what would you say to them? What would be your advice to them as they um, are beginning to finish up the school year? Yeah, this has been such a demanding year for all of us. I know that, that we all found uh, ourselves in the position of, of uh, having to choose to be there for our kids in ways that, that we hadn't thought um, possible before but simply to, to, to find the will to make it happen. I know it's been uh, more work for certainly all of us uh, in Sacramento than we've ever faced. And I know every teacher in every school would share the exact same experience from this year. Um, I, I think that as I was looking at, and I, looking at the, uh, all of the resources from the convention that we just had uh, last week as of this recording, I mean, the, the keynotes were great. They were uh, spiritually satisfying and insightful. Uh, and uh, the amount of quality content um, was just as astonishing. Uh, so as far as um, advice for the teachers, uh, you know, I, I, I have certainly been, been encouraging all of uh, our staff in Sacramento to really uh, take this, uh, these dwindling weeks of the school year to uh, really reflect on everything that we have achieved. And of course, uh, not that we're ever satisfied, we know that uh, there's, um, there's been a lot of challenges and a lot of things that we're going to have to uh, change or do differently or make up uh, for next year due to the challenges of this year, but that's okay. Uh, I think that uh, our teams really have riven, risen to the occasion this year. Uh, truly, our, our teacher's performance has been nothing short of heroic. And uh, I, I know that self-care is going to be important for uh, everyone over the summer. Uh, next year will have its own challenges, but as I said before, I truly believe that our our teachers' performance this year will be recognized by the communities for everything they've done for our kids. I, I think you're right. I think it's been a great year for Catholic schools and teachers. And um, I'm grateful there's so many dioceses that have raised money for their teachers to give them bonuses and parents who have tried to do extra things for the teachers in, in appreciation for all they've done. So I know that Teacher Appreciation Week, which is coming up, will be a highlight, which will give us all an opportunity to to thank those teachers who have been working so hard for us this year. Mm -hmm. Our bishop decreed an extra week of, uh, of Easter break in the Sacramento Diocese. And so our, you know, traditionally we've um, had a mass on Holy Thursday and then the families have gone off to have the week after Easter off together. Uh, but uh, Bishop gave everybody the two weeks off and I can't tell you how much that was appreciated. I mean, just uh, you know, on, a, on a practical level, I think everybody needed that time to recover and prepare for the sprint to the end. But uh, I mean, it was it was really nice to see Bishop Soto recognize everybody's hard work with those extra days off. It, it made a huge difference for morale in our diocese. That's excellent, that's excellent. I'm sure that people really appreciated that. Um, who, who doesn't need time to rest this year? It's, it's very true. So um, although you were a teacher, because you were a teacher of high school students, um, I usually ask people what's their favorite book to read to children, but my question to you will be, what's your favorite book to read with your students? Oh, that is a great question. I, uh, you know, it was, um, so because I taught rhetoric and German, uh, one of my favorite tricks was to take an author that wrote really clearly and concisely in English like Hemingway, and then give the kids a translation to see if it was a good place to start. So, uh, um, uh, but it's actually uh, fun uh, with my own sons now who are getting a little bit older as you ask about favorite books is uh, 
you know, I've, I've always loved, uh, you know, the classics in particular, uh, Greek myths and my, uh, my uh, fifth grader has discovered Percy Jackson. And so I can't tell you how exciting it's been to be able to share that with him too. You know, we'll, he'll sit there and want to want to talk about what he's been reading and learning and experiencing from those books. And then, uh, you know, compare and contrast with, with the stuff that he always sees me reading. So, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I've been pretty blessed to, to have been raised by a mother who was a, uh, a literature and composition teacher and really cultivated in us a strong, affinity for reading and it, it's definitely a joy to share it with uh, students no, that's it is it's a it's a wonderful thing um to share good books with 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 our families and our students so you you have a wife and you have three children can you tell us a little bit about your family yeah absolutely so uh, i have uh, uh three sons uh, 16 13 and 10 uh, my wife aga um is a uh a, well a a historian, but retrained as a behavior analyst. I think one of the gifts of our family experience is that our uh, our oldest son is on the autism spectrum, and and he is uh, high functioning uh, autistic, what used to be called Aspergers, and and um, and of course it's been um, a really profound uh, spiritual and professional journey for us working with Ben. I, I think that we both found ourselves really committed to education because of that experience. You know, me in administration, and for her as a behavior analyst. Uh, you know, I, we think that it was definitely part of our uh, part of our call or the bigger plan for us to to stay engaged in education because it it's the supporting him and then hopefully paying it forward to others. Uh, and then uh, my uh, younger two sons are uh, at the same parochial school that I attended uh, in the Sacramento area, and so it's uh, been a lot of fun walking that journey with them, seeing them literally pass to the same desks that I was that I was in. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of joy in, in um, uh, rearing our kids in, in my hometown and, and uh, again, seeing them take on the same experiences that I had. That's nice. That's, that's nice. Not everyone gets that opportunity. So it, so it's nice for you and for, for your family. Um, that's great. So um, well, I'm going to go back to books just because um, it's one of my favorite topics to, to talk to people about. And so um, we talked about your book that you want to read with your children, uh, your personally, your son, and then um, what you read with your classmates in that. What's your favorite book for yourself? Uh, for me, it's definitely The Odyssey. About once every three or four years, I'll get a different translation of The Odyssey and reread re that one. And I actually just uh, finished an audible uh, uh, translation of, uh, of the Odyssey that was, uh, I believe, written or translated by Emily Wilson and read by Claire Danes. And um, uh, like I said, every few years, I love diving back into that one because I always get something new out of it. Um, I'm a big Fitzgerald fan, um, Hemingway fan, you know, jazz age, uh, American literature. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, I'll, but I'll usually keep two to three books on my on my table and in rotation. Uh, we're audible junkies in our household as well, so uh, you know, st steady stream of literature and uh, and nonfiction is really important for us. Uh, the next one I have up is actually um, uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin's uh, a trio of her leadership books: the the Bully Pulpit, Team of Rivals, and then a uh, third one about um, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt called Nor No Ordinary Times. So I know that those three books are going to keep me really. Uh, really busy for the next uh, month or two because, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good solid couple thousand pages, but uh, hadn't read a uh, good one yet and really looking forward to diving into those. I, I truly enjoyed Team of Rivals. I, I hope you like it too. It was, it was a very good book. Um, so 
you you've got a very busy life with raising three children, a wife, and, and your professional career. What do you do to relax? Uh, so my eldest son and I are really big fan uh, fans of hiking. So you know our favorite thing to do is to go on uh, extended uh, you know hikes, 20, 25 miles at a go. Um, that's not really a hike. That's a marathon. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is. Well, you know, I, uh, Ben enjoys a really, um, you know, he, he enjoys a good meal just like everybody else. And I told him one time, if you really want to go to your favorite pizza place uh, today, we're just going to have to walk there, figuring that, well, he wouldn't take me up on it. And he did. And so 22 miles later, we, uh, we walked through the front door of his favorite pizza parlor. And I said, okay, you can truly have any pizza you want today after that hike. So uh, it's uh, something that we've kept up as a, as a nice, uh, uh, father, son, uh, you know, our, our favorite father, son thing to do, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, uh, the classic cars are a big hobby within my family, my grandfather, my father and I, and so they, they passed on that love and, and, um, hobby to me. And so we have our, have our old cars and toys that we, um, that we work on. Um, and then, uh, you know, my wife is a, a native of Poland, her family's there. And so I guess I would have to put travel on the list too. You know, we're very blessed, uh, to um, go see her family uh, from time to time, uh, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we, we lead very um, busy and active lives. I'm sure like a lot of, a lot of parents of, uh, you know, kids do, everybody says, well, these are the busy years and you're really in the thick of it. And I think it's true, uh, but uh, you know, all of it's really joyful for us. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a good time. How long does it take to walk 22 miles for pizza? Oh gosh, that's about a six hour hike. I, uh, Six yeah. hours, okay. Six hours, you figure, yeah. So 20 miles is going to take you five five hours, 40 minutes or something like that. So we, uh, yeah, we, um, uh, he, he picks the restaurant. Uh, the, the rule is it has to be 20 miles from the house or more, and then we go. So we, uh, we've had a really good time. Um, it, it's a really, uh, you know, honest way to earn the meal. There you go. So um, you like classic cars. What's your, mm -hmm. what's your favorite? Do you own, what's your favorite that you own or want to own? Okay, so I have a 1941 Packard 110 World War II staff car. And so it's olive green with, uh, with the stars on the doors and flags on the front and a painting of uh, Kilroy on the trunk. Um, and uh, uh, it's, and so they, you're always on parade when you're driving around a, a, a green 1941 Packard uh, staff car. So that, that one is definitely the sentimental favorite. Um, also have a, my, uh, inherited a, a model, a pickup truck from my uncle from, uh, uh, 1929 that you might be seeing, you might see me breaking down in from time to time as well. So we, we, we love our old cars. That's awesome. It's a cool hobby. Do you restore them or do you not do that? Cause I know we do, yeah, and do we restore them. Yeah. I was, I was one of those teenagers that, that wanted a Mustang and my dad told me I could have one if I built it. So I did. And, uh, uh, you know, since, since then from time to time, I'll, um, you know, show up with a new project. Um, you know, my kids are just getting to the age where they're starting to get into it as well. So uh, we'll see if they, uh, if they pick up the interest from, uh, you know, from their great grandfather, grandfather and dad. It's excellent. It's excellent. It's nice. Those traditions are passed down. So, Always. so Lincoln, um, what's your goal for NCA? What do you want to see NCA accomplish over the next few years? The the needs of Catholic schools are really uh, evolving, especially in, in this year. We saw uh, a lot of really good things happen in terms of Catholic schools leading the way with the, with innovation and, and adapting to new technologies and doing everything we could to serve students. I, I think that certainly in California, uh, we've seen Catholic schools um, lead the way. 
We also know that there's been a lot of new uh, pressures put on Catholic schools because of this uh, pandemic. You know, in particular, we know that that a lot of people have had economic challenges and that's had a knock on effect with enrollment for so many of our families. Uh, you know, we know that uh, our schools, as they are uh, trying to transition back to something that looks more like what school did in 2019 are going to need uh, support in that. Uh, they're certainly looking for support in things like, like uh, cultivating new ideas for uh, advancing the mission, for financial support, for connecting with families that um, uh, in, in ways that uh, we can grow our enrollment uh, or connecting with donors that can make our schools more affordable for, the for our families that do have challenges. You know, in, in Sacramento, we've really uh, done a lot over the last five years, the number of innovations that we're seeing around the country, things like standards reference assessment, or like our rollout of uh, the Dominican Sister of Mary's uh, program, Education and Virtue is Standard Catechesis for the Diocese. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we know that Catholic schools aren't standing still. Everybody is, is moving um, as, as quickly as they can uh, to, to lead our schools forward. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt that COVID's presented challenges, but again, we're hoping that as we continue to uh, work on our programs and find new ways to support our families who might have those challenges with enrollment uh, affordability or tuition affordability, uh, that we'll be able to grow our schools. So is that how you'll measure success then uh, increased enrollment? Yeah, measuring success in Catholic schools. Uh, working with the NCEA is actually, uh, over the past few years for us in Sacramento, has given us a really good idea of how we do frame uh, successful schools and what it means if we are being successful in, uh, in our mission as Catholic schools in particular. Uh, you know, one of my... Uh, uh, principals uh, constantly quotes, and I, and I don't know who said it from Notre Dame, but just the, that schools don't have a mission, the mission has schools. And um, if uh, you look at uh, a lot of the things that have come out of, uh, out of uh, NCA and its partners over the last few years, things like the uh, going, going on, gone study on disaffiliation that was presented at CLS a few years ago, uh, at the uh, Fatica Market Perception Survey, uh, we know that we're being presented with these broader challenges that aren't just about challenges for Catholic schools. We know that the, there are challenges for uh, the church and the mission of the church in particular. So, you know, success isn't just a question of enrollment. Uh, it's also about really understanding what our role is in that broader mission. Uh, you know, we know that, uh, as we've seen from the data, that um, you know, uh, Catholic education is one of the strongest predictors of students uh, staying engaged with uh, with the church and with church life going forward. So, uh, you know, from the broader perspective of the church, it's not just a question of enrollment. Uh, we know that we need flourishing schools to have a flourishing church uh, and vice versa. Uh, that, that uh, you know, for me, that that whole idea that, that Bob McCarty presented of uh, orthopraxis, that we're offering a, a not just an education, but a, a sense of community and a sense of lifestyle that the schools become part of for our families is certainly, I think, what our families in Sacramento see a lot of value in, you know, when they don't just buy into the school, they buy into the whole life that goes with being in a Catholic school. Uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, we say, what, when do you know you're successful? When you walk into those healthy, flourishing communities, you can feel it. And, um, you know, we, we really have uh, looked very seriously at all of the things we've learned from those studies the last few years to say, okay, as we formulate a direction for our schools, uh, we know that that having that sense of not just of 
educational excellence or having money or having kids, but really having an excellent community uh, really is the benchmark of, of the Catholic school. Yeah, Catholic schools are great at building community and, and families is, is really true. So um, Lincoln, we have just a few more minutes. So I have a, a question that I like to ask a lot of people just because I'm always curious about the answer. But um, what, what's the one thing that you wish you would have known when you began your career? You know, the, the thing I didn't know was just how important my faith was going to become to me because of my experience with Catholic schools. And I don't want to say that I regret that. I, I don't regret not knowing it because it's certainly been in a journey that's unfolded for me. But, you know, as a student, I, I was ministered to by teachers that were very intentional about how they taught me. And they were doing it in a particular way for a particular reason. And I was, of course, oblivious to it. Maybe I felt it on some level because I really liked and respected my teachers. But, um, you know, I, I really do see that I was being called step by step to come into the church and uh, to engage fully with Jesus Christ through these schools. Um, when, when I chose Christian Brothers High School is my high school after St. John Vianney, I had been on campus once and I said, oh, well, this is a seems like a nice place. And then uh, when I took that job at Christian Brothers High School, I thought, oh, it'd be fun to give back for a while. Um, you know, I, I really feel like I've found a, um, a calling within the context of my professional vocation in Catholic education. Uh, and uh, um, I can't say that I I don't regret not knowing it, uh, but, uh, but I think, oh, wow, if I'd only known how powerful an experience this is going to be for me, maybe I would have you know, paid more attention to those subtle, subtle signals that were there from the very beginning. As I look back, I can really see a spiritual through line for me from parochial school right to where I am now. Sounds good. So um, when, when were you at um, Christian Brothers? I'm curious. Uh, early 90s. Early 90s. Okay. Okay. No, I did professional development for Christian Brothers a while back, but wasn't that far back. So that's why okay. I wondered if you were there as student teacher when I did that. Um, it, like I said, it's been a few years since since I, I did that. Um, I think he loved it. I think it was 2010 when I did it. So it was a while ago. So Lincoln, thank you for accepting the challenge of being president of NCEA. We are looking forward to, to the great skills and talents that you have that you will bring to to the organization. Are there any parting words you'd like to give um, our audience things that, something I didn't ask that you'd like them to know about you or about your work? I'm just really looking forward to meeting people. You know, I've already built a lot of uh, friends and relationships uh, through uh, NCEA at past events. I know that this has been uh, a year where we've had to do those events a little bit differently, but uh, uh, you know, stay tuned. I, I really am uh, hopeful that that as we return to something that's more akin to normal, that, that I will have, uh, plenty of opportunities to be available and to listen, understand more about what our members are uh, hoping for in our organization or from our organization as they, uh, they try to make their schools better. Excellent. So thank you for taking the time and thank you for listening. And we will be back next week with another episode of NCA Podcasts.